Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If you missed our show this morning, Mornings with the Coach, here's what you missed. And good Tuesday morning, everyone, and welcome to Mornings with the Coach. Coach John Cantera with you from now until 9 o'clock, and then we'll get you the Jim Rome show. Our uh, schedule today after Romeo will be Doug Gottlieb up until 3 o'clock, 3.20. we got the Padres pregame show, 4.20. we got uh, game two of the four-game series. Padres uh, drop uh, game one last night. We'll get into that, but I want to get to a lot of phone calls today on the program. we got a host of things to uh, talk about. Our call-in number, 833-288. 0973-833-288-0973. I'd like to check out our website. You can do that. Uh, go to 973thefansd.com. And you'd like to follow me on Twitter, at Coach Cantera. 44. A big show coming up at 540. We'll replay the interview we had yesterday with Dr. David Chow talking about the injury to Fernando Tatis Jr. Coming up at 730 this morning, Eric Williams from ESPN. He covers the San Diego Chargers, better known as the Los Angeles Chargers. Hard for me to say LA. I got to be honest with you. I don't even like saying LA. I just like to call them the Chargers. And I said San Diego. I'm not the first, and I won't be the last to, to say that. But, again, the uh, draft for the Chargers wasn't all that bad. And Eric Williams is going to join us at 7.30 uh, this morning on the program. At 8.30, we're going to go to Atlanta and get an update on Fernando Tatis Jr.'s uh, injured hamstring and how the Padres are going to handle that situation. A.J. Casavell from MLB.com will uh, stop by and uh, in and around those interviews we'll uh, get out to your phone calls this morning. We've got some giveaways a little bit later on in the program. I certainly thank you for uh, stopping in today on 97.3 The Fan and checking out our program. If you've not uh, listened to us before, we're here each and every morning, 5 to 9 and this is a sports show. We talk sports, uh, not a lot of gibberish and uh, look forward to uh, your opinions, and uh, more than welcome to take your phone calls. Uh, we'll get into the Padres here uh, right now. Tonight, uh, they got their young 23-year-old right-hander, Chris Paddock, who's uh, coming off a marvelous performance last time out. Chris will go into the ballgame tonight with a 1-1 one one record and a 1.67 ERA. Threw a heck of a ball game last week here at Petco Park against the Seattle Mariners, and he'll go against the veteran right-hander of the Atlanta Braves, Julio Tehran, who's off to a little bit of a slow start, only 2-3. and three with a 5-4-0 ERA. Uh, Tatis out of the lineup last night. They've not put him on the injured list. Uh, he's kind of listed day-to-day right now with that injured hamstring. And, boy, after last night, they can't get this guy back in the lineup quick enough. Uh, Greg Garcia, who I, I love, and I think he's uh, better suited to play second base and shortstop, Andy kind of surprised me last night. He really surprised me last night. I thought that he would move Manny Machado to shortstop and have Ty France playing third base 
And then you had the pick of the litter at second base. You can go with the struggling Ian Kinsler, who, by the way, 0 for 3 last night. His average now all the way down to 134. Or you could go with the left-hand hitting Greg Garcia. Well, he decided to go with Kinsler at second, Garcia at short, and Manny Machado at third. And uh, Greg had a rough night, uh, a rough night. Uh, Two runs came in on a ball that he should have handled at second base on a throw from Eric Hosmer. Uh, It looked like Greg never saw the ball. And went right by him. Manny Margot came in trying to back up the play. And he made a diving effort. That got by him. And uh, eventually uh, two runs came around. Padres ended up getting beat last night 3-1. Uh, to one. Mike Soroka, the young uh, 21-year-old rookie right-hander, pretty good outing last night. He went six innings, four hits, only a one run, struck out eight. Uh, before departing the ball game, picked up the winner's record now 2-1 and one, and uh, drops his ERA down to 1.62. I thought Nick Margavichus last night, wow, I thought he threw pretty well. I mean, his control at times uh, wanders. He had three walks last night, but he does that definitely deserve a better fate in this ball game last night. He went five and two-thirds, four hits, three runs, only one of them earned uh, three strikeouts. Uh, defense really let him down last night. Adam Warren came in for a third of an inning. Robbie Erland, uh, two innings, couple of hits, and a walk. And uh, you know what? Uh, the the final insurance run. Ozzy Albies uh, taking one over the boards last night. Ozzy Albies, a very nice uh, looking young player, hitting two ninety nine on the year. He was two for four last night with a six homer and a couple of RBIs. Dansby Swanson, the former number one pick of the Arizona Diamondbacks, now the starting shortstop. For the Braves, uh, two for four last night. Padres only mustered uh, five hits in the ball game last night. Garcia had one. Fran Mill Reyes had one. Manny Machado, one for three and a walk. He's hitting two thirty-five. He needs to pick it up. Eric Hosmer, another hit last night. One for four, hitting two forty-three. But in Manny Margot, a couple of hits last night. Two for three night for Manny, uh, hitting two sixty-three. Man, I, I look at the Padres right now, and man, they they blew the game on Sunday. They, they blew the six-run lead on Sunday. The game last night was very winnable if they play a little bit of defense. But again, you got to score. I mean, you can't have five hits. And to make things worse last night, they only had five hits, but they were 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position last night. The Braves weren't much better. The Braves were 1 for 9 with runners in scoring position. So my question to you, what lineup... Should Andy Green run out there tonight? Should he give Ty France an opportunity to uh, start at third base? We haven't seen him on defense yet. Well, let, let's see him out there on defense uh, for an extended period of time. He uh, pinch hit last night and went 0 for 1. So far in his big league career, he's 2 for 4 in a walk. Hey, run him out there. What do you have to lose tonight? And going against a veteran pitcher, a right-hander, and Andy has said in some of the interviews that we've had right here on 97.3 The Fan that he'd like to give him a start against a left-hander and not necessarily you know, against a tough right-handed pitcher. Now, Greg Garcia does a good job of getting on base, but you've got to play defense. And in all fairness to Greg, I don't know when the last time it was he played shortstop. It had to be sometime during spring training. And last night he did not look good. Not only did he miss the throw at second base, he also uh, had a, a fielding error in the ball game, so uh, not a good night for Greg Garcia. Not a good night for the San Diego Padres. Tell you, the other team that didn't have a good night was the LA Dodgers. 
They've squandered a lot of opportunities. Ended up getting beat last night, three to two, by the San Francisco Giants. Uh, uh, the Giants snapped the Dodgers' four-game win streak. Evan Longoria, two out, three-run double in the bottom of the seventh, was the difference in that ball game. And how about Cody Bellinger? He did it again last night for the Dodgers, two for three in RBI. Bellinger right now hitting four thirty-four. He threw out. Um, Brandon Crawford at third base. He leads the National League right now in assists. Yeah, he's doing it all for the Dodgers. I was listening to the Dodger broadcast last night after the Padre game got over. I was listening to Joe Davis and Oral Hershiser. And, of course, those guys will be in town this weekend with the Dodgers coming in Friday night for the game one of a, a three-game weekend series. And, uh, boy, they're, they're really high on Bellinger. And I understand that, but he's got to do it for a full season. And they're talking about him being the Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Hey, there's no doubt Bellinger's a great player, and he may end up being a 300 hitter. But he got to hit 300 in the big leagues, and you know, do it for more than a, a month to prove that he's in the same class as Mike Trout. He certainly has great ability, though, and he is a fun guy to watch. No question about that. Uh, they'll be back at it again tonight up at Oracle Park. Uh, interesting matchup tonight. Right-hander Walker Bueller, who comes in with a 2-0 record and a 5-2-5 ERA. He's been a little bit up and down. Fortunate to be 2-0, and the Giants are going to run out their left-hander and a former Padre All-Star, Drew Pomerantz, who's 1-2 and in a 3-6-5 ERA. Dodgers right now at 19-12. and They hold a two-game lead over both San Diego and Arizona. The Giants with the win uh, sitting at 12-7. and Bruce Bochy overall, considering uh, that lineup up there. They don't have a lot of hitters in that lineup right now. Buster Posey's not the same guy. Uh, he's doing a pretty good job managing that ball club. The Angels were off last night. Tonight, the Angels uh, get a series started against the Toronto Blue Jays. It'll be right-hander Clay Buckles going for the Jays. And 22-year-old right-hander Griffin Canning uh, from Mission Viejo will be making his major league debut on the mound for the Angels. And, of course, a uh, big drawing card tonight, not only if you're from Orange County, to come out and see Canning, but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. expected to be in the lineup once again for the Toronto Blue Jays. I want to jump over to the uh, NBA. We had uh, two ball games last night, and we'll have uh, two more tonight. Oh, man, I can't wait for that game tonight uh, between uh, – uh, the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets after what took place on Sunday. But uh, last night, Game 2 in the Eastern Conference semifinals, Philadelphia got up off the mat and knocked off Toronto 94-89. to The Sixers led 51-38 to at halftime. Jimmy Butler exploded for 30 points last night, 11 rebounds and 5 assists. James Ennis III came off the bench, 13 points for the Sixers. And Joel Embiid still scuffling a little bit with those knees. He played 32 minutes last night, had 12 points and six rebounds and five assists. Kawhi Leonard, another strong game for the Raptors and a losing cause. He had 35 points last night, seven rebounds and six assists. Uh, so that series now tied at one game apiece. And uh, last night in the Western Conference semifinals, both teams shot the lights out last night. Portland shot 51.9% from the field. Denver, 50.6%. And the Joker, Nikola Jokic, went crazy for the Nuggets as they win it 121-113. to The Joker had 37 points on 11 of 18 shooting, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. 
and three steals for the big seven-footer. Jamal Murray tossed in 23 points, and Paul Millsap had 19 points. And a losing cause, another big night for Damian Lillard. He had 39 points. He was 11 of 13 from the free throw line. Rodney Hood came off the bench, 17 points last night for the Trailblazers. And uh, Lillard's backcourt made C.J. McCollum had 16 points in the ballgame. One uh, big note coming uh, into that ballgame last night was whether or not Enos Canner for Portland would play. He'd been down with an injured shoulder. He came back last night and played very, very well, and that's going to help Portland, I think, as this series goes on. Canner had 26 points and 7 rebounds last night in the losing effort. Game 2 tomorrow night at the uh, Pepsi Center. And, of course, tonight, East uh, Semifinals Game 2. It'll be Boston and Milwaukee. Celtics lead that series one game to none. Sunday, they cruised a 112-90 victory over uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, tonight, again, uh, with the uh, series uh, lead, Golden State, one game to none. Game 2 will be at Oracle Arena. After all the complaining following Game 1 Sunday by James Harden and Houston head coach Mike D'Antoni, How will this game tonight be officiated? Very interesting to watch this game tonight. I think what's going to happen, they're going to call this game extremely close early and then uh, probably uh, in the third and fourth quarter let the boys play a little bit. Want to get your thoughts this morning? 833-288-0973. Again, I want to get back to the Padres. What lineup? Should Andy Green run out there tonight? Should he give Ty France a a start at third base tonight and move Manny Machado to uh, shortstop? And what do you do at second base? What do you do at second base? Ian Kinsler is not getting it done right now. You're getting absolutely nothing out of him. Yeah, I know he hit a homer last week to win a ball game one to nothing, but right now you're getting nothing out of him. I'm sitting here right now and I'm saying, doggone it. The Padres squandered an opportunity to gain a game on the L.A. Dodgers. Now you're saying, yeah, but you know what? We're on the last day of April. Yes, I understand that. But you know what? The games count as much right now as they do in September. Padres' last two days should have won ball games. Last night, maybe they wouldn't win that game last night. But defense, which has been a, a real strength of this ball club early in the year, uh, was not a strength last night. Greg Garcia, a rough night. And again, I'm going to Andy Green. What's Andy going to do tonight? I can't wait for the lineup to come out tonight. How much longer? If you're a Padre fan out there, and you've watched Ian Kinsler, and let's face it, Kinsler has had an amazing Major League career. And I don't want to make this all about, you know, because the Padres lost last night and Kinsler's hitting 134. But how much time do you give? I mean, realistically, do you bring Luis Urias back up? He's been on a hot streak. I mentioned it yesterday. Since he'd been sent down, he had six homers. He had five homers in two games over the weekend. What do you do? I mean, play general manager out there for me this morning. For me, I'm running Ty France at third base tonight, and I'm putting Manny Machado at shortstop. Manny Machado can play shortstop. We found that out last year with Baltimore. We found it out with the Dodgers, and we found it out on Sunday when he had that game-saving play uh, in the 10th inning. The Padres eventually lost that ball game in the bottom of the 11th inning. I'm mad at his homer off of Matt Whistler. But if you're if you're A.J. Preller right now, and you're talking with Andy Green, how's the conversation going? A.J. to Andy. Andy, why, why, why'd you play Greg Garcia at shortstop last night and Ian Kinsler at second? How about moving 
Greg Garcia over to second against right-handed pitching. We'll give Kinsler a start against left-handed pitching. Let's put Manny at short, and let's put Ty France at third. That would be the conversation I would have if I was the general manager of the San Diego Padres. I want you to be the general manager and tell me what you would do this morning regarding this situation. Padres squandered away a game on Sunday when they had a 6-0 lead. That's concerning to me. That's very concerning to me. And last night, Orgavich just pitched great. He, he, when you, he, you pitch as well as Nick pitched last night, you got to win a ball game, especially with your bullpen. You got to win a ball game. Padres have let two ball games get away the last two days. The Dodgers had won four straight until last night. Padres are two games out. Arizona's two games out. Padres could be right there. I want them to cut into this lead before the Dodgers get here on Friday night. Are you going to the games this weekend? I hope that ballpark is filled up with Padre fans this weekend and not a bunch of Dodger fans coming down to have a nice weekend in America's finest city. Give me your thoughts on that this morning. Our phone number, 833-288-0973, 833-288-0973. I bring in Jim Russell this morning, and, and Jim, on a Tuesday, I'm kind of fired up uh, early in the morning. Uh, boy, last two days, the boys just let it get away. Coach, you need to calm down. <laughs> you are way too animated for me this morning. It's it's kind of crazy. Uh, the Yeah, Sunday, like we said yesterday, you can't lose a 6 nothing lead like you have to lock that down i don't care if you win six to five six to four you do it like you do whatever it takes to win that game you don't give away runs and i feel like they just kind of let like they gave away some runs in that game yesterday i'm with you i don't know what greg garcia was doing at second base like well, short side, short, short shortstop, shortstop. But he was covering second on See, that play. Right. that's what i meant i don't know what he was doing while covering second base you got to be ready for the baseball. And not only that, Margot, you got to back up the ball. Like, you can't let the ball just go by you and all the way to center field. Cost you three bases. He had to dive for that ball, and he couldn't flag it down. I, I don't know what he was doing. Bad angle. And it wasn't a bad throw by Hosmer. Oh, it was right there. It was on the money. He got charged with the error. I know. And Garcia looks at him like, what, what are you doing? Like, come on, man. You they have, have the guy at second base. Like, you have to be ready for the baseball. I, I'm with you. I put Ty France in at third base. He played third base all spring. And so, looked good. So I don't know if there's like why there's uh you know hesitation to play him in the infield. You have a really good backup in Manny Machado to play shortstop. Like <laughs> I think that's gonna work out just fine. Well he was good enough to play shortstop for the Dodgers who got to the World Series last year. Yeah. So Greg Garcia he even told us. Like, he is not a starter. He is not an all-star. He's not a Hall of Famer. He is a bench guy. He And an occasional start against a right-hander. Right, occasional starter. Um, so I don't think he'll be in the lineup this morning, or the lineup this afternoon, actually. I think Andy Green, hope, I think he's smart enough to realize, hey, look, we got to get Ty France to start. He said to us last week that they were looking to get him at least one start in this road trip, and I think today's the day. Well, I, I think uh, maybe he starts the remainder of this series. What I would do tonight, this is how my lineup would, I would work start tonight. Him, I would start him until 
Tatis gets back. Yeah, and we don't know, and uh, we're hopefully A.J. Casavell is going to be able to shed a little more light on that. Yeah, and that was real uh, interesting. Padres really didn't go one way or the other. I- I'm listing him day-to-day right now. They're not putting him on the IL. They're going to monitor it. He woke up yesterday like you expect. Uh, he was sore, probably a little stiff as well, and you know they're not going to push it. You and I talked about that a great deal yesterday. If he doesn't play until Friday night against the Dodgers, I'm fine with that. But I'll tell you what, Jim, I start Greg Garcia tonight, but I put him at second base, and I put Kinsler on the bench. I mean, I, it's hard to run Kinsler out there right now. His at-bats are not good. He was 0 for 3 again last night, hitting 134. He's had plenty of opportunities to try bad? to come out of this slump. Is that bad? <laughs> but actually, Tatis yesterday was taking grounders in the infield. So that's a good sign. Yeah, but that's not like running the bases and uh, even hitting. I mean, you got to have the lower half when you swing the bat. And part of his game is speed anyway. So they got to be very, very careful. And again, coming up at 540, we're going to, in our spotlight segment, we're going to replay our interview with uh, Dr. David Chow uh, from yesterday. And he'll talk a little bit about the injury that uh, Fernando uh, suffered. I thought Nick Margavich's pitched really, really well last night. He deserved a much better fate in that ballgame. This guy continues to get better. Especially against that lineup yeah. on the road. I mean, he made one mistake, and that was the pitch to Albies. Right. Other than that, he pitched amazing. And he's I feel like he's that type of pitcher that will be kind of hot and cold. Like one like a couple outings will be look amazing and then he'll kind of just lose it. That's what he's been that's what he's done this entire year. Granted, it's only a couple starts. Still a rookie. It's twenty two. There's a lot to there's a lot to improve on. But so far, Margavichis looks really good. Yes, yeah, he does. And the thing I love about him, he got a great delivery. He works to the plate. He's not uh, falling off to he's big the right too. side. Have you have you seen him in person before? Yeah. Yeah, he's a big boy. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you, you kind of pull for because here's a guy that, you know, I don't know what the Padres really thought when they drafted him out of Ryder College, but this guy's gotten to the big leagues again, only pitching one game above A ball until this year. That's crazy. Pretty amazing. That's crazy. Like, especially the way baseball is now with pitchers and they have they usually coddle them for a long time and then good this, point this year they're just throwing people in the fire avila or Gavichis, paddock like hey just go here you go just go pitch in the big leagues i can't wait to see paddock go tonight uh, the braves i think are going to be surprised i know they probably looked at him on tape and uh, done their due diligence reading the scouting report but it's another thing standing in against that guy that, that guy can really pitch well, Paddock needs to. Paddock's all of a sudden turning into this team's stopper. Like, he's 23 years old and he's the stopper for your team. So, uh, he leads the team in ERA, leads the team in strikeouts, I believe, uh, leads the team in a lot of other categories. And he's 23 years old and he's a rookie. It's only going to get better from here. You know, the last couple of years, well, the last several years, really uh, since the 2011 season to, to last year, when the Padres would lose, you know, people around town, oh, well, they got beat again last night. Nobody had any expectations. Now when the Padres blow a, a game, uh, when they're up 6 nothing and they lose a game like that last night, I guarantee at the water cooler and a lot of different businesses around San Diego, people are going to be talking about the Padres uh, in a positive light, but also very frustrated today because they've let two games in a row that were very winnable get away from them on this road trip. Right now, on this seven-game road trip, they're 2-2. Two and two. We were hoping they'll go 4-3. Uh, and three. I hope that's the case. I'd still hold it out for 5-2, and two, but they 
they got to get up and uh, swing the bats. I mean, the pitching has been good enough to win ball games. It's been good enough to win ball games last night, definitely. And you have a six nothing lead, and Lucchese couldn't hold it. I thought Andy uh, hung with him way too long the other day in that ball game in Washington, but. They still have an opportunity to have a winning road trip, even though they've let two games get away each of the last couple of days. And that's not a good trend to get into because you start getting uh, into games like that and you get to a certain point and you start going, man, I hope we don't do this or we don't do that. You have negative vibes going rather than the positive vibes that they've had going most of the year so far. And the thing we talked about at the beginning of the year, we were all concerned about what? The pitching. Right. And we weren't even really concerned about the hitting too much. We're like, oh, they're going to hit. They're going to hit a lot of home God, runs. We're waiting for that. And it's been the complete opposite. The pitching has been pretty pretty good the entire season. I think they have a starter's ERA of around 3.5. And for this young of a pitching staff, it's pretty good. The hitting, on the other hand, they just haven't hit with runners in scoring position. They don't, they don't score many runs. They do hit a lot of home runs, but there are a lot of solo shots. Boy, Manny had a, a great opportunity late in that ball game last night with some runners on, and he couldn't get it done. He was one for three last night in a walk, but he's only hitting two thirty-five right now. I know, and like we said yesterday, you, like we said yesterday, do, do we call him out? I think we call out Machado a little bit. Like he needs this, this, and the time of need when Fernando Tatis is out, and it's crazy that we're even saying that Tatis is like one of the main guys on this team already. But while he's out, you need to have someone step up. And Machado's probably Machado needs to be the guy. Well, the guy that's really starting to pick it up, and he actually has a better average now than uh, Machado's Hosmer. Hosmer uh, having a pretty good road trip, one for four last night. I think Hosmer's playing pretty good baseball right now after a slow start. He started to swing it a little bit better uh, on the last homestand, and he's continued on this road trip. I uh, want to get to the NBA ball game last night. Uh, you know, Toronto... Uh, took down Philadelphia in Game 1 on Saturday, and they did it uh, rather easily. Last night, Philadelphia came back and defeated Toronto 94-89. to That series now tied at one game apiece. And after the ball game, this is what the Toronto Raptors' Kyle Lowry had to say. I think they just made an adjustment. You know, now we have to make an adjustment. I think if they do that again, you know, we'll figure it out and, you know, we'll watch the film and, and see where we can get better and see how ways differently we can play. And, you know, there's always going to be adjustments. Kyle Lowry had a pretty good ball game last night. He finished with 20 points. Uh, another member of the Raptors who uh, came over in a trade uh, midseason, Paul Gasol, on what happened last night. It's obvious what, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. And, uh, like I said, we would have made shots early on. Uh, you know, I don't know how they would have felt about that scheme. Gotta work on it, gotta make adjustments, and uh, get ready for game three. And I mentioned uh, Joel Embiid uh, yesterday on the program. He's playing with bad knees right now. He's going to have to play his entire career with bad knees. You remember when he came into the league, he uh, uh, missed considerable time uh, each of the first couple of years. But last night, Embiid, 32 uh, minutes in the ball game, finished with 12 points. And this is what uh, Embiid had to uh, talk about uh, the adjustments the Sixers made for game two. Uh, if we just follow the game plan uh, tonight, we turned the ball over too much. So that, that's definitely got to change. But I don't know about them, but uh, we feel like uh, we follow whatever we have planned and we got the win. 
And uh, Jimmy Butler, the uh, former Chicago Bull, who uh, always seems to play with a little bit of an edge, uh, talked about uh, scoring late because he had a big night last night. Man, to tell you the truth, I just happened to make a couple of shots. Everybody told me to come out aggressive, shoot the shots that are there. And I, I still think that I uh, passed the ball when I wasn't open. Maybe a little bit later, as some people may say. But uh, all in all, man, we guarded. I think that's, that's the reason that we won. Well, Butler last night, he had 30 points. He was 9 of 22 shooting, 4 of 10 on three-pointers. 8 of 8 at the charity stripe. He had 11 rebounds and 5 assists. I'll tell you, the other guy that came off the bench last night and did a really nice job for Philly was uh, James Ennis the third. He had 13 points coming off the uh, Sixers bench. So that series now tied at one game apiece. Uh, last night, Denver got by Portland 121 to 113. Uh, the Joker, Nikola Jokic, a big night. Boy, that's seven foot. They list him at 250 pounds. I think that may be uh, being kind. I think he's a little bit bigger than that. But he had 37 points. And the thing you got to love about uh, uh, Jokic, not only can he score, he rebounds, and he really can pass. I mean, those European players, they really see the court well. He had six assists last night, and the big man also had uh, three steals. Jamal Murray complimented uh, Jokic with a nice ball game, 23 points, and the veteran Paul Millsap had uh, 19 points. Game two tomorrow night at the uh, Pepsi Center. I think all of us are excited about watching the game tonight. Uh, we got two games. We got the early game. Game two will be Boston taking on Milwaukee. Uh, Boston pretty much handled Milwaukee in every which way on Sunday in Milwaukee, 112 to 90. Five Celtics were in double figures in that ball game. Kyrie Irving led the charge with 26.7 rebounds and 11 and assists. And I loved Al Horford's game on Sunday. He came up huge. He had 20 points, 11 rebounds. He had three blocks and two of them on Jonas right there at the rim. And Jalen Brown, uh, 19 points on Sunday. Uh, the Celtics right now are playing very, very well. Uh, you could argue they may be the best team in the East, but we'll have to wait and see uh, how that other series goes between the Sixers and the Raptors. And of course, tonight, out on the West Coast, the late game, it'll be Game 2 between Houston and Golden State. Very interested to see how this ball game will be called uh, tonight after all the complaining by James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, Chris Paul and company. And by the way, did you see Chris Paul got nailed 35000 yesterday for uh, making contact with that official? And Jim Russell and I agreed yesterday on the program that he would not be suspended. But he ended up getting a $35,000 fine. Uh, they uh, said that uh, aggressively confronting and recklessly making contact with an official. That's how the league uh, stated that. So uh, there you have it. Hey, want to get to your phone calls this morning? 833-288-0973. I'm asking you to be the general manager or manager of the San Diego Padres this morning on the program. I want to get your opinion on what lineup you'd run out there tonight. We start off today in Chula Vista. Daniel, you're batting leadoff with Coach John Cantera, right here on 97.3 The Fan. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing marvelous, Coach. How are you? Ah, doing well. A little bitter, a uh, little upset the Padres have let two ball games kind of get squandered away the last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it was a, yesterday was definitely a tough loss, but, I mean, when you don't put up any run support, our young pitching staff is just being overly taxed. I mean, if we, if we could get, you know, three, four runs a game, I think we'd be probably three or four games better in the win win category. 
Well, I, I agree with you that, Daniel. And my my uh, question to you, when are these guys going to start hitting? We keep saying, you know, uh, these guys are going to start living up to the backs of their baseball cards. I mean, Manny uh, Machado's not hitting right now. Will Myers, after getting off to a great start, he's scuffling a little bit. Uh, you know, when, when are these guys going to hopefully all get hot at one time? Well, maybe it's time for a new hitting coach. I mean, the Padres have been known <laughs> to go through several hitting coaches. Well, they just hired this guy. He was their assistant hitting coach last year, and everybody was giving him uh, uh, great reviews. And you know, you can only you know you can lead the, the horse to water. You can't make him drink. And once they step in the box, it's a one-on-one sport. And you know, these guys have all been around uh, long enough. They've all had uh, pretty good major league careers. But man, some of these guys watching them at the plate right now is awful frustrating. Yeah, I, uh, coach, I was going to ask you: Did you uh, get a chance to see my? Strike Force tryout video. Oh, I, uh, oh yeah, I, I sure did. How did you feel after the workout? Um, it's still a little sore. I got word yesterday from Coach Burt that I'm going to be out to flip the coin, though, for my uh, my efforts there. Oh, that will be great. Is that a week from uh, Thursday night? That is. I'll be out there to flip the coin. That's great. How many uh, guys showed up to that open tryout last week? It was about 30 guys, and I thought there were some pretty good athletes there, but uh, apparently they're only going to keep maybe one or two. Well, that's all right, and uh, hopefully the strike force can continue to grow their franchise, and uh, the off season I think is going to be really big for them, and hopefully uh, they can get off to a better start next year than this year. Uh, this year they had so many uh, issues to deal with; they didn't have a lot of time to, you know, really put the business plan into effect. They had to, you know, rush a lot of players into uniform. They've really turned that roster over quite a bit. And for the fans out there, we're talking about the indoor football league team, the San Diego Strike Force, that play at the Pachanga Arena. Uh, hopefully uh, uh, next year will be a better year than this first year. The, being an expansion team, uh, no matter what league it is, Daniel's very, very difficult. Definitely a lot of growing pains this year, but I can definitely see a lot of progress going forward, and hopefully next year will be a lot better year. Hey, I appreciate the phone call, and I'll look forward to seeing you at the ball game that night. Yeah, I'll see you out there, Coach. Want to know what happened with the Friars? It's time for Padres Rewind. He's hot. He's hot. First pitch to him, ground ball. That's going to be shortstop, and it is made for two. The second for one, back to first, a double play. But coming on to score there is Greg Garcia, the homeboy who led with a single. The Padres have scored early as you can be in the first inning. It is one to nothing now with two gone here in the first inning. 0-1, Soroka this time deadens the bunt towards first. Hosmer going to go to second, and he throws it into center field. Now it gets through Margo, and it's going to roll for a while. Camargo's rounding third. He's going to score. Soroka is on his way to third. Oh, my goodness. 1-1 game. 1-2, sliced into right field. That's a base hit, and it'll give the Braves a lead. Albies goes to right. Soroka comes in to score. And now 2-1 Atlanta here in the third. For the Padres. High fly ball. Left field. I thought he got it all. Deep left. And gone. Big add-on right there. 3-1. Two on, two out. The 0-2 pitch. Reach for, grounded the other way. Long way to go. Machado at short. Off balance. Throw to first. Did he get him? He did. What a play. Manny Machado with another highlight real defensive moment. One at shortstop yesterday and now another here tonight. Safe situation for Webb. He is first to the majors and he's got it. Taken. 95 mile an hour fastball. Strike three call to Will Myers. Got him on three pitches. And the Braves win, as mentioned, game one. That was your Padres Rewind on 97.3 The Fan.
right now we're going to head out to the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. Always a pleasure. Welcome this gentleman to our uh, program, Eric Williams, who covers the San Diego or the LA Chargers uh, for uh, ESPN.com. Eric, I, I can't I can't get that out of my mind that they're no longer the San Diego Chargers. San Diego certainly sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. Hey, I got to bring you on, and I I got to send out my condolences to you a little bit. Your Mariners are kind of on a a real skid right now. Yeah, they're struggling a little bit, although they're over five hundred, and certainly a lot of fans in Seattle didn't expect them to be where they're at right now. But yeah, they're they're scuffing a little bit, but uh, uh, they're still fun to watch right now. They're almost like a softball team with how many home runs they're hitting. Yeah, there's no question about that. I just thought I'd rib you a little bit about that ball club. Uh, the, the, the Friars got him a couple times last week here in, in San Diego. I want to talk about Tom Telesco and what he uh, was able to get done uh, in the NFL draft uh, this past week. Uh, uh, first round pick, 28th overall defensive tackle, uh, Jerry Tillery, 6'7", 295 out of Notre Dame. What I read on him, uh, tremendous athlete, uh, just a very inconsistent player in his college career. What do you know? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's the reason why he was still there at 28, because you look at the measurables and the production he had, eight sacks, and then he had four sacks against Stanford. you think maybe he would have went a little bit higher. But you're right. The tape was inconsistent. He also has a labrum injury that he had surgery on in March, so he's injured. Um, and then some. when I talk to people around the league, question his passion for the game. He's a guy that has a lot of outside interest, uh, outside of football. You know, he's... He, studied Japanese, he's been abroad, um, he's an economic major, which is unusual for a football player. Um, but those are the kind of uh, people that Notre Dame attracts. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the locker room. And again, is he going to be a guy that's going to be a consistent uh, player for the Chargers? They certainly need a person like that, a guy that can push the pocket and help you know guys like Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram consistently uh, get to the quarterback. Um, but Tom Telesco said that was the only first round grade that they had on the guy when they when they picked at twenty eight and and he fills I think their their most obvious need which was uh, a defensive lineman a defensive tackle. Who they got covered back now with everything that's gone on during the offseason? Who do they have yeah. at that defensive tackle spot? Yeah, they only had three guys there currently heading into the draft. Brandon Meebane and Justin Jones would be their starters. Meebane at, at nose, Justin at three tech on early downs. And then T.Y. McGill is another guy that plays nose behind Meebane. Um, Isaac Rochelle is a defensive end on early downs, but can push inside and rush from the interior on, in obvious passing situations. But they still need to add more depth there. They did draft a guy uh, out of Cincinnati in the seventh round that can play defensive tackle. But I think uh, first, second week of May, you're going to see them maybe add another defensive lineman or two uh, to kind of beef up that group. We're joined by uh, Eric Williams from ESPN.com, joining us on the SDCCU uh, fan hotline. I got to tell you, I did not have this guy necessarily on my draft board, the uh, young safety out of Delaware, Nasir Adderley. Uh, but when I read up on him, uh sounds like they got a pretty good young player here. Yeah, to me, that was a signature pick for this year's draft. The Chargers really haven't had a guy that could run sideline to sideline as a free safety since Weddle left in free agency a couple years ago. And as you know, Gus Bradley's defense, they need an Earl Thomas back there to kind of erase mistakes because they play so much cover one, cover three when they're playing single safety. Um, Jaleel Dye 
filled that role last year, but he was really playing out of position. He's more of a strong safety than a free safety. Uh, so they're able to get a guy in the second round that, that has the measurables, that has that explosiveness in terms of his athleticism, and is a ball hawk that's going to go out there and get the ball. And he's also a pretty good tackler, too. He'll come up and hit you. Um, so for, for them to be able to get him at 60, they didn't trade up to get him. They, they were patient and waited. Um, I think it's going to change the way that defense looks. And I think this defense really has a chance to be special. When you look at all three levels of the defense, they have Pro Bowl players, obviously Joey Bosa and Ingram defensive line. In the middle, Thomas Davis, you add from the Panthers. And then I think Denzel Perryman is a Pro Bowl player if he can stay healthy. And then the back end you have um, Derwin James and, and Casey Hayward. If, if that defense can stay healthy, I think they have a chance to be special. Third round, uh, the offensive tackle out of Sioux Falls, six six three zero nine. 309, uh, Trey Pipkins. Yeah. Seemed like that may have been a little bit of a reach with him. It looks like yeah. he's more of a project guy for me. No, I think that's fair, Coach. And, and Telesco said one of the reasons they chose him there is because they felt like they wouldn't get him at the end of the fourth, that somebody would have plucked him before they he, uh, they got down to picking. So they went ahead and took him in the third he is a project, you know, a guy that he only had a scholarship, one scholarship coming to high school, and that was to Sioux Falls, a Division II school. Uh, interesting story. He was 5'11", as junior in high school. Huh. He grew six inches huh. over three months and got to 6'6". And, Coach, as you know, when you grow that quickly in that short of a time frame, you, there can be some awkwardness in trying to get used <laughs> to being a different height. And so he was a, guy, a tight end in high school. They moved him to, to offensive tackle. Um, in college, and and guy that's just kind of continues to get better, and he has all the measurables that they're looking for in a, in a tackle: long levers, six six, three hundred and ten, the dancing bare feet, so he can get out there and kick step, and 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 has the athleticism to keep up with talented defensive ends. But he's going to have to obviously have a, a steep learning curve to try to get up to speed. Um, a guy that maybe doesn't see the field this year, but down the road, you know, particularly with Russell Okun, you know, probably. Uh, moving on next year or two, they're going to need to figure out a plan to replace somebody like that. Eric Williams from ESPN.com. We're uh, taking a look at the uh, Charger draft. Uh, He's joining us on the SDCCU fan hotline. In the fourth round, they went back uh, to Notre Dame once again and got an inside linebacker, Drew Drew, uh, Tranquil, 6'2", 234. Uh, This guy, uh, it seems like this guy is a real football player, a real student of the game. Yeah, a guy that came in as a safety, pretty good athlete, ended up uh, moving up, uh, bulking up and moving to linebacker. Uh, he can play all three linebacker positions for them. Uh, but I think mainly you're going to see that this is a guy that's going to come in and play special teams, you know, particularly with, with uh, Kyle Emanuel retiring. Uh, they need to have somebody come in and, and kind of fill that role as a core special teams player, but also a possibility of a guy working into your lineup um, uh, as a linebacker two-year captain at Notre Dame. Uh, and, you know, the, the Chargers like those golden dumps, you know. They, they take Tiller <laughs> in the first. They got Isaac on, the, on, the, on you know, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, obviously, Manti a couple of years ago. They, they seem to, to, to go to that well quite often when you talk about bringing in guys from Notre Dame. Eric, uh, in the fifth round, they took the quarterback out of North Dakota State, uh, Easton Stick. And is this the the guy they're looking at right now? Is possibly the heir apparent to uh, Philip Rivers, or or is this a guy just coming in to compete uh, with Cardell Jones during training yeah. camp? Yeah, I, I think it's just a guy to come in and, and compete with Cardell for that number three spot and push him. See if uh, they can figure that 
that number three spot out in terms of just having a developmental guy on the roster. They really like his uh, poise, his leadership, and his athleticism. He ran four six two. That's pretty fast for a quarterback. Um, was forty nine and three with the Bison. That's impressive. Uh, replaced Carson Wentz, so he had some pretty big shoes to fill at North Dakota State, and, and seemed to handle himself pretty well. Um, so yeah, just kind of take a flyer on a guy. You know, the Chargers haven't drafted a quarterback since 2013, Brad Sorensen, in the seventh round. Uh, he's no longer in the league. Um, but I think it's just kind of taking a flyer on a guy, trying to get that quarterback room, you know, a little better. They have Tyrod Taylor. He's the backup. They paid him pretty good money, two years, $11 million. And Tyrod's still pretty young, you know, 29 years old. Uh, with the way that the quarterbacks continue to play into their 30s, you know, Tyrod's probably going to be around for a while as well. Eric, uh, in the sixth round, they took a really interesting guy for me. I don't know where this guy fits in. He should fit in on special teams because I know he played uh, very well early in his career uh, at the University of Houston in that area. Uh, But this outside linebacker, Amike Egbule, a pretty interesting athlete. Yeah, 6'2", 245, run and chase linebacker. He'll be an auto in, in their scheme, which is basically Sam outside backer. I think he can play some some defensive end, too, because he has some pass rush ability, um, and he kind of uh, tracks as a guy that could play that role as a Leo defensive end behind Ingram. Um, I think you're right. His guy's probably going to help you in teams because of his athleticism. Um, but he played with a pretty talented player at Houston, Ed Oliver, um, and was able to get one-on-ones and take advantage of that because you know people were paying so much attention to Oliver inside. Um, so he's a guy that maybe has a chance to, 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 to latch on as a back-end roster guy if he can play special teams. If not, he'll probably be a practice squad guy. And Eric, uh, finally, the defensive tackle they took in the seventh round, uh, Cortez Broughton, 6'2", 293 out of Cincinnati. Little undersized, I think, to play inside in the NFL. Yeah, but that's the kind of guy that, that Gus likes in his system. You know, guys that can move around a little bit. Damian Square is kind of a perfect example of that. You know, Damian would play anywhere from close to 300 and maybe drop down to 280 if they wanted to move him outside to play uh, defensive end. He actually started at defensive end when Bosa was hurt. And so it just gives him some flexibility. He has some some pass rush ability, ability to push the pocket. Um, They want their guys in the middle to really get upfield and be disruptive and not play as much two-gap. So I think he kind of fits some of the things they're looking for in a defense tackle. And again, you know, maybe he's a guy that can either earn it back into the roster spot because they have such a lack of depth at defense tackle or be a practice squad guy. Okay, I'm not going to ask you how the Chargers looked at their draft because uh, all teams uh, figure they had, oh, they got exactly what they wanted. It's like in recruiting. There's not a school in America that had a bad uh, <laughs> signing date for recruits. But from what the Chargers needed to do in this draft, what needs they needed to address, do you feel that they uh, they addressed them? I think for the most part, you know, I'd probably give them a B, B minus because they did a good job of kind of just sticking where they at. They didn't feel like they needed to move up to get a particular guy. They filled their needs for the most part. Um, I think the one thing that they need to do that maybe they didn't do the draft is is add more depth to the offensive line. Um, I think, you know, at times uh, they struggled, particularly when you look at Sam Tevy at right tackle, Dan Feeney at, at left guard. Those guys need to continue to improve and get better. I think the Chargers are banking on another year in the system and another year of reps for those guys, uh, for both of those guys to improve. You're going to have four slamp that's going to be competing for a job along that offensive line, whether it's right guard or left guard. I don't know where he slots in right now, 
they're going to, you know, have training camp to figure that part out. But I do think they need to continue to add talent there because they have guys that are getting a little longer in the tooth. And you look at Russell Okun, Mike Pouncey, and Phillip needs to be protected, particularly from, from pass rush in his face because Phillip's not a guy that obviously is going to get out of the pocket and make plays. Um, so I think they need to continue to address that. Maybe they look to add somebody in free agency that can help them. All right, Eric. Hey, great job. Appreciate the time. And uh, that's exactly what I gave him uh, earlier when I was looking at the draft, a B, B minus. Uh, as always, my friend, thanks so much for the time today. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me, Coach. I appreciate it. There you go, Eric Williams from ESPN.com uh, joining us on the SDCCU uh, Fan Hotline. You can nominate SDCCU Best Credit Union in the Union Tribune Readers Poll daily at SDCCU.com slash nominate. San Diego County Credit Union. It's not big bank banking. It's better. Uh, Padres trying to uh, erase a two-game losing streak. They'll send right-hander Chris Paddock to the hill. Paddock pitching oh so well. Had that great outing last week here at Petco Park against the Seattle Mariners. Chris will bring in a 1-1 mark and a 1.67 ERA going against the veteran right-hander Julio Tehran, uh, who uh, right now is 2-3 and three with a 5-4-0. Padres lose last night 3-1. to one. Uh, They only mustered uh, five hits in the ball game last night. And uh, I look at that uh, lineup last night. I think it has to change tonight. I've been saying right from the time I got on the air uh, this morning at 5 o'clock, you put uh, Ty France at third base tonight. You put Manny Machado at shortstop. And you put Greg Garcia over at second base. I'm sticking Ian Kinsler on the bench. Let him work some things out with the hitting coach, Johnny Washington. Kinsler last night 0 for 3, hitting a buck 34 right now. Garcia did not have a great ball game last night defensively. He, I, I guess he's missed that throw. I mean, I don't know what happened on that play where Hosmer threw the ball to him at second base. It looked like he saw him, and all of a sudden, boom, that ball went by him. It went by Manny Margot. Uh, it uh, brought in one run, sent the uh, runner all the way to third base, eventually came in on a base hit by Ozzie Albies to right field. Padres just not playing real good defense the last couple of days, and Tatis Jr., we're going to find out more coming up at the bottom of the hour when uh, we'll uh, see him back in the Padre lineup. The good news is they haven't put him on the IL, and he was taking ground balls yesterday prior to the ball game, so we'll have to wait and see on that. Dodgers uh, were up 2 nothing last night. And they ended up uh, giving it up last night. Evan Longoria, two-out, three-run double in the bottom of the seventh. That was the difference in that ball game. Uh, Giants hung on three to two. But Cody Bellinger continues to sting the baseball. Two for three last night in RBI. He's hitting a cool 434 right now. Uh, Dodgers hold a two-game lead over both San Diego and Arizona. The Angels were off last night. Kind of a fun time maybe to go out to the ballpark tonight at Angel Stadium. The Blue Jays are in town. It'll be right-handed. Clay Buckles going for Toronto and 22-year-old right-hander Griffin Canning making his major league debut. The kid out of Mission Viejo. He'll uh, be on the hill for the Halos. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going to go against his dad's old ball club tonight. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. uh, in his uh, first uh, three games in the big leagues right now is uh, a 3 for 12. He's gotten a hit in every one of his ball games so far. He's hitting uh, 250. It's going to be fun to watch his career because, man, he can really hammer it. No question about it. Earlier in the program, and the only reason I even brought it up today was because I was looking at my notes on the NBA. And, and I do what I do is I have these yellow tablets that I uh, write out every day on baseball, basketball, football, uh, hockey. I even got hockey in here. And we're going to be talking hockey a little bit uh, 
uh, tomorrow and uh, probably the following day because the Gulls are continuing in the playoffs right now. Congratulations to Dallas Eakins and his team. We're also going to talk uh, tomorrow to a San Diego Seal who will join us uh, in studio tomorrow. And if you haven't been out to a Seals game, i got to tell you, it's really enjoyable. Same thing with a Gulls game as well. If you haven't been out there, uh, good time to go because both teams are in the playoffs right now. Soccers were in the playoffs until they got eliminated the other night by the Monterey Flash. Uh, but we got talking about the NBA. And, you know, growing up here in San Diego, we had the Rockets. They were sold to Houston. We had the San Diego Clippers and Donald Sterling, the owner. We know all about Donald Sterling, what he was all about. He took the team from San Diego, and they went and played for many, many years at the L.A. Sports Arena. And then they also played uh, games at the Honda Center there uh, in Anaheim. They you know, play a handful of games there at the Honda Center uh, from time to time. They no longer do that because they're at Staples Center. And, and my question to you fans out there, uh, you know, Lakers. I'm a Laker fan. I'm sure a lot of people out there are Laker fans. I don't know how many Clipper fans we have listening to the program. But my question was, do you think San Diego could hold an NBA team? Because I think that San Diego really has gotten a little bit of a bad rap when it comes to NBA basketball. It wasn't their fault that Mr. Breitbart had a problem with the city of San Diego. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? He, they had a problem about the parking lot. Who was going to pay for the parking lot uh, being redone? And there were some other issues. Again, this was a city <laughs> of San Diego. Boy, they, they haven't had any problems with any professional franchises in the recent past, have they? Well, it goes all the way back to the San Diego Rockets. And then Donald Sterling was an L.A. guy, and he wanted that team up in L.A. So I think the San Diego has been a little bit uh, uh, deprived of an NBA team, and I think their record with NBA teams is not good, but I don't think it's the fans' uh, fault for that. What do you think on that? And, Jim, I'm going to jump over to you because you're from the Bay Area and you've been down here in San Diego now for years. and You've seen what the Warriors have done uh, for the city of San Francisco right now. And while the 49ers have really struggled, the Giants, yeah, they won those world titles, but the last few years they've really struggled. Your thoughts and your time here in San Diego, do you think San Diego, if they got a new arena, could really support uh, an NBA franchise? How many, how many people go out to goals games? Uh, usually, depending on what time of the week, if it's a Wednesday, maybe five to 6,000. On the weekends, probably seven to eight. How many people go to uh, Seals games? Uh, well, uh, the night I went, I went to their very first game. They had over 7,800 fans there that night. How many people went to the Fleet game, RIP Fleet? Well, they, they said 20,000, but I don't know if I'm buying that one. And all those teams have what in common? They're all minor league teams. Right. So if you get that many people for minor league teams in a major market. With major league prices, I might add. Right. There's no question that this town could support an NFL, uh, NFL team, uh, NBA team, or a hockey team. Like, it's no, there's no question. And I was actually talking about this uh, the other day with one of my buddies. What would you want more, an NFL team or an NBA team? And what did he say? He kind of would want the NBA team because there's games. There's 81 games. Uh, I I I would say and I would argue that NFL or NBA players are more marketable than NFL players. Eh, I don't know if I'd buy that, but name me the top three athletes in the world right now, and, and in the U.S. 
In the U.S.? I, I would guarantee well, you Well, LeBron that James is number one. He plays basketball. Right. Who's number two? Uh, Steph or KD? Probably. They're right up there. Who's the Who's the most marketable NFL player? Most marketable NFL player... Aaron uh, Rodgers probably has the most commercials. Yeah, his commercials are actually pretty good. I uh, would I would put three other players above Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think Mahomes. You're going to see Mahomes. Okay, do more. Mahomes. I would okay Mahomes, but I wouldn't even put him in the top five. I would put all NBA players above them, and so I think I would. Okay, want... Who would be your other two besides KD and and Steph and LeBron? Those three, I'd put uh, either James Harden. Uh, maybe Harden's doing a lot of stuff on those commercials. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. I put Kyrie in there because Kyrie just had his own movie. He did, but I, I'm talking about like commercial. Like I see Chris Paul on the State Farm commercials. That's true. His face all is the time, there, and Harden's in them with yeah, him now. all the time. You know those guys. Like the second you see him, you know him. Most a lot of NFL players you see, you're like, who is that guy? Or he's not very marketable. He's not on a lot of commercials. I'll tell you a guy that I think is marketable, and you may disagree with me as far as baseball. I think Bryce Harper's marketable. Yeah. He's the only one. Right. He's the only guy that I could put out there and be like, make me some money for, through marketing, and he could do it. But it's, going back to your question, I would choose NBA. There's there's 81 game. Well, there's 41. There's 40 games. 41 home games. 41 home games. You get the preseason. You're right there, Susan. Oh, Dean's going to try to put herself on the IL here. Oh my gosh! Uh, I would choose NBA. There's you can you get like LeBron would come in here four times a year uh, preseason wise. The stadium would be the arena would be packed. I would choose NBA. More marketable players to come through San Diego. I can't argue that, and I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, as a kid growing up, I was a big NBA fan, and there for a number of years, I kind of lost the NBA. Uh, you know, in the early two thousands, but boy, I'll tell you what, I love watching NBA basketball right now. Let's uh, get back to the phones, Jimmy. Good answer there, a lot of uh, good content there, and again, we got AJ Casavell coming up bottom of the hour to talk Padre baseball live from Atlanta. Enrique and Chula Vista, welcome to ninety seven three The Fan. Nice to have you today. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for the call. I just wanted to talk about the NBA. Um, this city isn't prepared for it. You know what I mean? I think uh, if we just throw our support around the Aztecs, USD, the local colleges, and the Padres, I think that's even more than enough for us. The Padres are in the middle of gas lamp, so you got all this entertainment. But if you try to bring an NBA team to the sports arena, the facilities are just out of date. Um, the city is just not going to rally around it. It's just it's not going to work. It's not L.A. You know, you go to Staples, you got L.A. Live, you got all these other facilities in the area, and it's a newer facility, you know. Like um, the San Diego Sports Arena is probably along the lines of the recently torn down L.A. Sports Arena. Just want to get your thoughts. Well, Enrique, first of all, an NBA team uh, wouldn't come to this town unless they had a brand-new state-of-the-art arena. Uh, And you're not going to build a new state-of-the-art arena until you know you have an NBA team. So I don't know who's going to win that battle. But, no, they wouldn't play in the uh, uh, Pachanga Arena. You know, there's so many great memories uh, that we all have of the old San Diego International Sports Arena. That's what it was called when it uh, opened. Uh, in that uh, first year, I think it was 66 it opened or 67. I remember the original goals uh, played there. Then eventually the Rockets came in and they've uh, done a marvelous job. Ernie Hahn does an incredible job running that uh, venue and they've got all these different minor league uh, 
franchises playing out of there along with all the great concerts and other events they bring uh, year in and year out. But no, you wouldn't be able to bring an NBA team here unless you knew that you were going to have a, a brand new arena. And the other question would be, where do you build that arena? That would be the next question. Yeah, Coach, the other thing is uh, um, unless we have a Steve Ballmer that I don't know about, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's yeah. no way that some rich billionaire is just going to get a, you know, pick up a team that's not doing so well in their city come down here, like you said, build a brand-new facility himself and do it because that's the one thing that i got to give the city credit for. As much as it was painful to see the Chargers leave, you know what I mean? This is ridiculous, you know, these sports franchises holding cities hostage, you know, because the Charger fan base is great, but they they proved that they weren't stupid because, you know, you should not be given a private business. You know, was it that they were they wanted like $500 million to build the stadium plus the land? This is ridiculous. I hear you, Enrique. And hey, thanks for the phone call. Look forward to hearing from you again. Have a great day. Take care, Coach. That was Best of Coach, 5 to 9, mornings, right here on 97.3 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.